you're listening to episode nine of Eight Minute Movies, Alienated, a podcast talking about the 1979 movie Alien in eight minute chunks, presented by me, Kieran, and him, Peter. I almost didn't get through that because I said nine and then eight, and I confused myself because my brain can only hold one number at a time. Mm. How are you doing, Pete? Uh, I'm doing all right. Uh, it's become traditional to come with a um, conversation topic. Uh, is 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 it? Has it during the "How are you?" phase? <laughs> yes. Um, and I have two possible conversation topics. Uh, I've got a feeling one of them is going on the cutting room floor. But oh, <laughs> all right, let's. Uh... <laughs> uh, I either want to talk about my new PS Five. Which mm-hmm. is a thing I have. That feel that or, feels like it'll pass the sensors. Or the, the fact that I'm doing crosswords. Yeah, that one's not making it in. <laughs> I feel like I've got more to talk about that though. Like the PS5. Yeah, it's it 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 really exists. I, I doubted it until the moment it was in my hands, uh, but it exists and I've tried it and it yeah, it's good. It's a good console. So as as I understand it, the only way of getting a PS5 at the moment is to um, meet a shady man in an alleyway and exchange a bundle of notes in an envelope. Is that how you did it? Well, as I said, I I just assumed that they were a myth at this point. I didn't know a person who actually had one. Um, I There were people on Twitter who claim that they had one but are they real who can say liars um, yeah, just <laughs> out and out liars um but occasionally I, I had a kind of a rotation of websites that i occasionally look into to see whether they've got any in stock and uh i was alerted to a new place which i hadn't tried before went there Never shopped there before. It said it was in stock, but I was very skeptical because I don't know how reliably this website updates its stock and all of that kind of shenanigan. And so I thought, okay, I'll order it because I can, if it actually turns out not to be in stock, I I can probably cancel my order. It'll be fine. Uh, I, I think this is a real website. They are referenced on... Eurogamer and sites like that, so I'm sure I, I'm I'm like ninety five percent sure this isn't a scam, uh, and I hurriedly ordered it before it changed its mind about being in stock. And a few days later, it did in fact turn up. So there you go. You can get them. You just need to be incredibly lucky. Well, I haven't seen it, and I don't believe you've got one until you share a picture of yourself next to it with a newspaper with today's date on it. Um, I mean, I want I want proof of life from the console, you know. <laughs> how will the newspaper help? Like, <laughs> not like I would have had one in the past and <laughs> since lost it. <laughs> well, it's it's just what you do, isn't it? You know. <laughs> You could just Photoshop yourself into a fo- into a thing, but the newspaper adds veracity. I I guess. <laughs> uh, anyway, it's there. I'm looking at it right now in its standby mode. All right, all right. Tell us its serial number. No, I. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably on the back. Yeah, it's probably somewhere. Um. 
you you want to tell us what website you got lucky on? That sounds weird. Uh, <laughs> no, I don't feel like advertising the website because when I used their kind of text service to check something, um, they were quite rude. <laughs> um, wow. The, uh, not overtly, but the whole conversation had this um, attitude of I don't believe you are wasting my time with this <laughs> question. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and I didn't appreciate that. But in the end, it did turn up. I'll tell you later. Yeah, heard it here first, folks. He's uh, he's keeping them all to himself. He's hoarding the PS5s. <laughs> I had a look on that website out of curiosity, and they are out of stock on that website. Yeah, yeah, I, I assumed they would be. <laughs> We're going to talk about the weird synchronicity in that, um, like, on the day you bought a PS5 was the day I've come closest to buying a PS5 this year. Because, mm. I mean, I didn't really want one because like i have a backlog of ps4 games as literally as long as my arm mm. um, and i'm like well there's no point buying another console that i won't play games on it's just a 500 pound boondoggle thank you yeah. for letting me use the word boondoggle um I, mean, I didn't actually expressly give you permission and no you you you, you implicitly granted it by starting this conversation mm. um and <laughs> you gave boondoggle consent mm. um and um yeah but then then i watched someone do a let's play of the new ratchet and clank game and i've never played any of those before like i was just like whatever you know uh, it's a precision 3d platformer that sounds like hell um but it it looks great fun it looks really really good um yeah, it, it's good and and in its uh, in its defense it's it's really more of an action game hmm. Than a, than a platformer, I would say. Yeah, I know that now because um, one of the games in my tremendous PS4 backlog was uh, Ratchet and Clank. So, I, <laughs> yeah. so I, I I watched that and I then I was like, yeah, it looks great actually. And then I played through it, like the 2016 remake, and I was like, this is actually really good. Mm. I really want to play it. And I was like, well, I'll get a PS5 when they're available, I guess. And uh, out out of the blue, a friend of mine I haven't spoken to in about three years sent me a text saying. Hey, do you want a PS5? <laughs> and I was like, uh, am I going to lose a kidney? How does this work? And he was like, no, I, I entered a drawer with curries and they gave me a secret code. And um, I don't want it anymore. So you could just plug it into the website and it'll let you order a PS5. And I swear to God, I was this close. But. I just can't drop 500 quid on something this month. It's just really annoying timing. I'm like, uh. well, I I did not want to because of how, uh, as you will have heard of in the last episode, I think, uh, bought a television very recently. <laughs> uh, and I bought that because I'd basically given up my quest for a PS5. It was like, maybe sometime next year I'll be able to buy one, but it's not, it's obviously not going to be anytime soon. And then not, Four days after that, I uh, uh, I f- stumbled on this website and and bought one. So I have spent too much money on <laughs> stuff like that recently. I actually think it's it's pretty bold of you to just buy something off an arbitrary website because um, a friend of mine did that earlier in the year 
uh, to buy a new graphics card. And um, what he received instead of a graphics card was a credit card fraud. Um, so- <laughs> no, um, I mean, to, to be fair, this is a website that I had vaguely heard about before, and uh, it was listed on uh, Eurogamer's list of that they have a little page that they've been keeping up for the last year or so of uh, what where the PS5 is in stock and when it might be expected to be in stock in, in various sites and it was on that list and so I did a little bit of due diligence around mm-hmm. I think this is a real place yeah but the, the bit I was most nervous about is how accurate are they about in stock and mm. am I just going to order something that isn't actually real? Oh, did you get the disc edition or the the shit one? It is the disc edition. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, and there's uh, a couple of reasons for that. One is that I already have a copy of Spider-Man Miles Morales uh, for PS4, which if I put the disc in my PS5, it will it will grant me an upgrade for free to the PS5 version. Wow. Um, so I kind of wanted it for that reason, but also because I have other games that are on my list of uh, still to play uh, on the PS4, um, which are disc games, but I didn't want to have to keep my PS4 around while I kind of cleared that backlog as well. And it's very... The, the backwards compatibility has now become very smooth so that uh, when you go to the store you can just buy a PS4 game or a PS5 game it doesn't matter it doesn't care um, you don't have to go through any rigmarole um, and so they, they I feel like they've solved all that now I remember like some years ago whether something would even have backwards uh, compatibility was a real point of um, yeah intention I, I mean I, I um I actually assumed that it didn't at all because of uh, the whole PS4, PS3 debacle where um, like some of them were backwards compatible for a bit and then they patched it out so none of them were backwards compatible. And you're like, oh, cool, thanks. That's a, a feature I paid for. God, yeah. do, you, do you remember you could get Linux on your PS3 <laughs> and then, then they patched it out and then they had to pay everybody who'd bought a PS3 with the intention of putting Linux on it some yeah. money. <laughs> Yeah. Um but no, it's it's all very smooth now. Uh mm. it I mean there might be a few weird exceptions where there's something very needing a PS4 specific, but mm. I can't think what that might be. Uh basically if you have it on PS4 um digitally, you have it on PS5 as well. And sometimes it might even be slightly enhanced on the PS5. My um my understanding of the PS3 backwards compatibility problem was um those cell processor things that it had Mm. or the emotion engine or whatever it was called i think i might be mixing up ps2 and ps3 here to be honest i'm I'm not an expert this shit but like um it was just so unique mechanically that it was a total ball ache to just emulate in software um, <laughs> yeah, I mean everything's basically just a PC of some description now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, the nice thing about having a console, I, I think, is that it's something that is you put a game in it, and it's probably just gonna work. You don't mm. have to worry about anything. And it's and the the version that you're getting for that console as well has been heavily optimized to work on that console. So. 
Um, unless, of course, it's Cyberpunk 2077. Um. <laughs> uh, in which case, they just did, did what they could, but man. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, like generally speaking, when you get a console game, it's like, okay, this is the version of this game that is been designed to look good and run well on this machine mm. and you don't need to think about going into settings and trying to get things to look good but also run well and all that kind of rigmarole that I'm sort of bored of with PC stuff. It's it's much better than it was, don't get me wrong, but I I, I like having a console for that reason as, as a just kind of very simple solution for playing games and also just the, the They've ar- architected this whole thing so that it it, it runs really well from uh, uh, from its SSD. So it just loads stuff really impressively fast, and they take a lot of advantage of that during uh, during that Ratchet and Clank game where they're sending you through all of these dimension holes, and it's very quickly going from kind of level to level where the areas look completely different and just streaming in all of this stuff really fast. And it's very, very, very impressive. Um, it feels, I feel like this is one of the last times where it genuinely is going to feel like a bit of a generational shift between the consoles. There's only so much more they can do really at this point. It it all looks so good now and runs so well that, I mean, they can make it a bit faster. They can add more. I mean, how much more ray tracing can you add? To, I, I don't know. They, it, I'm sure... I was talking about this with someone the other day. Back when, like... Uh, not Skyrim, what's the one? Oblivion. Uh, Elder Scrolls Oblivion screenshots were first coming out. I thought oh wow they've they've finished graphics graphics have been <laughs> one forever now cuz all the metal looks like actual metal and the trees and f- foliage look really impressive as well and i thought well, no game can ever look better than this <laughs> uh, and now when you look back at that you're like oh, oh actually um i was slightly wrong about <laughs> the no game could look better than this. And I worry now that I'm falling into the same trap uh, today, looking at the PS5 stuff and thinking, surely you can't get much better than this. And I, so I look out for things that are wrong with the graphics. I'm like, oh, yeah, maybe that shadow could be slightly less jagged and stuff like that. But it's getting into real nitpick territory now. Uh, I don't know how, how much longer they can really start, keep on iterating on this in a way that's going to be properly noticeable yeah i mean the ultimate endpoint of computer graphics really was photorealism wasn't it and i think we're there now um i mean we're very close yeah not maybe not a hundred percent photorealistic in kind of all settings but we're, we're very close hmm. oh, oh god um <laughs> so yeah we talked for several hours now about my new uh ps5 how are you um i i feel i would be remiss if if we didn't hear you talk about crosswords um <laughs> we're gonna do both <laughs> I, I i well i don't know i mean like like that was 17 minutes about the ps5 and you said you had more about crosswords um <laughs> maybe you, i can maybe i can rein it in do you do you want to do you want to save your lengthy screed about 
like one of the dullest forms of entertainment for for, for the next episode. Um, yeah, probably better because I've got <laughs> I, I've easily got another fifteen minutes of crossword material. Oh God! Oh, I mean, oh good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's let's do that one next time. Listeners, I think I think you can tell where I'm coming down on crosswords um, in this thing. <laughs> what I just as a, a little preview for for what's coming in another oh, episode. Oh God, a taster! Um, right. I I feel like I felt the same way as you did about crosswords before a particular route into them got me trying them and uh i think that's what i need to explain to you so that you will understand why i have started doing crosswords and what crosswords i have started doing uh it's you you may be surprised um very 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 well um <laughs> uh it's not quite what you're imagining, I don't think. <laughs> it's worse. <laughs> it might be, but it's different. Not, not going to ask me what I've been up to. <laughs> I did, but then you insisted that I um, talk about crosswords. We'll go, we'll go and do it again. Do it cleanly. <laughs> I, otherwise, I'll have to fix this in the edit, and you know I don't want to do that. How are you, Kieran? Needy? <laughs> yeah fucking always um <laughs> oh you know i'm fine can't complain you, the usual <laughs> all right good anything I, you want to talk about for upwards of 15 minutes uh, I, I i played ratchet and clank on the ps4 mm. i i basically i was like i was like well the new game looks fun i'll give this one a little spin and then 14 hours later, I was like, wow, um, <laughs> I I had other things I needed to do on these two days that I've sat here and played this video game. <laughs> yeah, they're good, aren't they? I haven't played um, uh, I haven't played that one yet. I did play the PS5 one uh, and, I, and I liked it a lot. Um, yeah, I've, I've never played any of them before, really. I, I don't know how they passed me by. I think it's probably because I never owned a PS2 or a PS3. Um, and they were on those consoles. It's, yeah, it's not really much of a mystery, is it? I, they were PS2 and PS3 exclusives, and I never owned those consoles. So um, <laughs> that's why I didn't play them. Uh, QED. Um, I like most of it. Um, I have a question for you. In in the PS4 version, yes, is the main villain Dr. Nefarious? Um, yes and no. Okay, but he has a villain in he's, it. He's he's a villain in it, yeah. Okay. Because uh You don't like him? I think that he must be one of the most one-dimensional characters, <laughs> one-dimensional villains I've ever encountered in anything. <laughs> I would say. Which what? is a, an achievement considering the uh, PS5 game is about hopping between multiple different dimensions, but yeah, no dimensions <laughs> to this guy. Um, he's he's given some backstory in, in the 2016 game. Okay, well they don't think it's necessary to refer to that during the PS5 one, that's for sure. He's I'm... just there to be bad. 
so I, I feel like I feel like I should explain something about the 2016 game that I'm not sure if you know. Please, uh, and it's that. Um, so it was it was a re a sort of reboot of the franchise. It's like a reimagining of their mm. origin story. Um, but it was released to tie in with the Ratchet and Clank movie. I did know that actually. Yes. Yeah, uh, but like many of the cutscenes in the game are lifted wholesale from the movie. <laughs> I also did know that, yeah. So they're just they're just bits that are put in. So um it, uh, it, it puts a certain weird spin on things because like it, it just it especially going from <laughs> the first time I saw one, I was like, wow, the quality of the graphics in this cutscene are amazing. And then I was like Wait, I saw the Ratchet and Clank movie. This is just it. <laughs> They've just taken that bit out. Okay, and well, put it in. But now that you've reminded me that of that, now I'm thinking: Did the people who are writing the film think, "Oh, I don't know. We gotta, we gotta give this guy at least a one more dimension. We we need to." shove in a backstory somewhere or something well gotta do something about he's he's not actually in the original ratchet and clank game that the game and the film are based on um he he arrives in like the third game or something like i was i was looking this up the other day out of curiosity and he he was just so such a popular villain that they shoehorned him back into the original with like a deep origin story um <laughs> all right okay fine i mean i i just i don't get it i guess i i don't to me maybe he's really good in that third game or something but, <laughs> but i he, he barely works for me as a comic villain he's just it's <laughs> What? It's a very nothing character for me. Well, what do you what do you want? I mean, like like Doctor Robotnik wanted to turn everyone into robots. I mean, like and Nefarious wants to do pretty much the same thing. I mean, like why why do they need why do they need deep motivations? He's just well, a bad they, guy. They don't necessarily, but in fairness, um, those villains are also separated by a few generations of consoles <laughs> and i feel like with greatest of respect to the sonic series uh, storytelling in platform <laughs> games developed a little in the intervening period uh, I, I miss it when all the story you get was was a paragraph in the manual that had been poorly translated from Japanese to English <laughs> hey look don't get me wrong I absolutely don't mind if story isn't important and isn't uh, it isn't going to be the focus of this game and they're just sticking in a villain that is going to be bad for no apparent reason and is just this cartoon villain i mean we that's what we do with fix fix bang bang that we made right <laughs> that, that's our villain basically that, um, remember that that's our game that you can download from our website and pay money for <laughs> but um it's just that to me he stood out amongst a cast of other characters in the game who do go through development and have motives and backstories have you they talk about have you have you finished it yet yes uh, well, he he has an arc 
he uh, <laughs> he he wants to rule the universe. Then he sees that ruling the universe makes him an asshole, and he um he, he stops himself from ruling the universe. Spoilers, I guess. Why well, <laughs> he sort of does, but <laughs> even that he's doing very half-heartedly. <laughs> and I was a little bit confused by the end about where he stood on the matter. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It was more clear to me. I guess uh, I don't know. I don't know. Um, anyway, so so the but I, what I hear of the the what version that you played is that yeah, it's a version that has been adapted from the movie that was released, but it's quite good. Yeah, it plays, it plays well. The, the play, gameplay is really good, and I um like. It got me going back and replaying stuff for collectibles, which I almost never ever do. Mm. Um, it's just I was having so much fun with it. I have one gripe w- with the game that I played, and that's um, you get like as you go through it, you unlock upgrades for Clank that let you do extra stuff. Yeah. Um, and at one point, you unlock a jetpack, and mm-hmm. it's incredible. It's so much fun, like flying around with a jetpack, shooting people, like going around things, working out where you can go to refuel the jetpack so you can carry on flying. And that was by far and away my favorite level. I spent like two hours just on this one level, flying about, killing stuff, finding all the secrets. And then I went to the next level, the next planet, and I found out you can only use the jetpack in certain locations. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Oh, this is total ass!" Like, <laughs> why would you? Why would you go to all the effort of like designing and implementing this this really cool jetpack mechanic, and then be like, "Actually, uh, um, he can only use it on on two worlds." <laughs> well, I guess like it's difficult to implement things so that they'll work just as well with a jetpack. I, I suppose there's there's complexities there. I mean, I, I understand why. It's just that. Uh... <laughs> Uh, it was really what's the word disappointing uh, it was really disappointing to, to realise that you were like oh, oh the cool thing is gone now no, oh never mind um, guess I'll go back and play that level a few more times ah <laughs> uh, well so this video games podcast we have where at the end mm. we also talk about Alien for some reason do you think I should talk about my second thing that I'm doing now? Oh, go on. Um, uh, I'm, I'm, maybe I'll just me- mention it briefly. Um, I'm currently entombing a cheese in a piece of resin. And if you are um, perhaps less familiar than I am with Kieran, you might think, well, that's a strange thing to do. Um, but what I thought when he told me this just before we started recording was... Um, yeah, that that makes sense. Mm, I've got priors. That's that's the sort of thing you'd do. If if left to my own devices, I will entomb things in resin forever. Mm. Don't leave me alone with your kids. For what purpose are you entombing cheese in resin? Um, basically, so later I can look at it. So as an ornament. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you want me to make you an ornamental cheese? You've already made me an ornamental egg. That is true. That is true. I'd forgotten about that. 
Yeah, your egg, your egg lights up. I'd forgot. I completely forgotten. I made you that. <laughs> it, it lights up. It's got a. It's got a whole puzzle built into it as well. Oh, it's, 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 oh it light. It lights up in Morse code. I forgot. <laughs> I'm looking at it right now. It is one of the strangest, but also best presents that I've uh, ever had. <laughs> I will treasure it forever. I, I promise you. <laughs> Oh god, I completely forgot that I I made you a puzzle egg. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, I do remember now what was most puzzling about it was that I forgot to leave spaces between the letters in Morse code which um makes it nigh on impossible to decode. <laughs> no, no, you you did it I, first. Yeah, it was and, it, and it was the, the, it. yeah, the alpha, the alpha egg had um had problems but but we fixed it in beta and uh, release yeah, I know that that makes it impossible because um, I, as you know, I, I like to solve puzzles and I, I, I like, I, I don't get too involved with them, but I, I like the occasional ARG, you know, where there's like codes that you need to break and, mm. uh, and you need to figure out uh, complicated puzzles and uh, something that I encountered at one point during the um, uh, uh, during one particular puzzle is that there was something that looked like it could be Morse code and people were trying to interpret it, uh, interpret what it said until I pointed out that you could make this say so many things without spaces. <laughs> you, it, there is no point uh, trying to make a Morse code phrase that doesn't tell you where the gaps are because <laughs> It will just, it, you'll see things that, you, you'll be chasing ghosts, you'll see things that absolutely aren't there, you'll see, you'll find a word that looks like it might be really relevant to the puzzle you're solving, but it will just be complete luck. You need <laughs> the spaces. Uh, uh, well, I mean, we're, we're four to five hours into this podcast. Maybe we should talk about the podcast. Um. <laughs> um, with so many digressions in, uh, if you are a listener to this and um, have been enjoying our digressions <laughs> at the beginning of the podcast, let us know. I n I'm never quite sure. But I, I enjoy them myself. That's good because because our our ultimate end podcast is just going to be us talking, right? I mean, like uh, <laughs> the move the movie thing was just to get us started. Uh, yeah, it's just a vehicle, really, mm -hmm. into uh, having us talk about shit. So this this is a podcast about the film Alien. <laughs> it is, believe it or not, you may you may have had your doubts. You may have already scrolled back to your podcast application, perhaps, <laughs> and uh, checked to see whether you'd loaded the correct podcast in. Pre-edit, we are 41 minutes in. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Not a mention of Um, Yeah, so normally, uh, uh, around this point, or 20 to 30 minutes earlier than this, I talk about something tangentially related to the movie. Uh, but maybe not directly related. That's what tangentially means. Um, help me out, Peter. I'm dying. Uh, have uh, we introduced the concept of the podcast yet? Or... Uh, no, no, we haven't. Um, do uh, do we need to do that? Uh, <laughs> we we threaten to drop it every time, don't we? <laughs> yeah. Is this uh, well, the time? Uh, no. <laughs> All right. This is a podcast about the 1979 film Alien where 
we talk about it in eight minute chunks, right? And and I have seen the film a lot. I've seen a lot of films. I watch films. I enjoy films. Peter was raised by uh, in a lab as an experiment to produce something. I don't know. It's probably a super soldier thing that went wrong. I guess like really, really, really wrong. Um, and he hasn't ever seen any films ever, like not one. And so we're watching Alien, and he's like, "Wow, it's like the people are in the room." And I'm like, "No, it's a screen." Um. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, I, I think just in case uh, <laughs> some people listening to this are less familiar with me than you, I I, I want to set the record straight here. I've seen lots of films. <laughs> I. I did not grow up watching horror films. That that wasn't my genre, and it still isn't my genre, really. Um, I it, they're not really films that I was allowed to watch as a child, and uh, as I got older, all of the kind of really best ones, the the, the kind of classic ones, were were kind of old by that point. So I never really went back and checked them out because it, it's not really a genre that. On the face of it, at least, at least particularly interests me. But um, this podcast experiment is to see whether if if we can look at something in much more detail than we might usually look at it, uh, it becomes more entertaining and more interesting. And so far, I would say we have found that to be the case. In um, in many ways, this podcast is actually about the questionable parenting decisions my parents took. Um, when I was a child, just to get me to shut the fuck up for five, five, ten minutes, two, two blessed hours of not having to deal with me, uh, put a film on. <laughs> what film? It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, if you really want to get a sense for um, what a strange child Kieran was, then <laughs> uh, then you should really go back and listen to the episode where you talk about what is the live experience called again? It's called Alien uh, War. Alien War. Yeah, which is something that, you know, I would say most people who are... How old were you? Uh, I, uh, somewhere between eight and ten, I guess. Yeah, Let's say nine. Um, <laughs> that most nine-year-olds would not be super excited about going to. They sold child tickets! <laughs> it must have been four children. They sold child tickets. Okay, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb here. And... Um, say that the reason that they did that is not because they were thinking oh we need to really get that um pre-teen alien fan market under our wing um and more that they thought it might be a fun and slightly scary thing for parents who were fans of the film to do with their kids so that that's a different questionable parenting decision. Yeah, like, but I'm gonna I'm gonna guess that because they sold child tickets, the alien uh, the alien experience that we talked about in one of the previous podcasts uh, was scary, but not gory. Am I right? Um, yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. Right, okay. At yeah. no point do the chest bursters activate. No, no. I, I, th- <laughs> I, think that, I think that was a step too far in terms of 
uh, cheap, easily resettable animatronics. At no point do any inner jaws go through anyone's face. Uh, yeah, also, no. No, no that doesn't okay. happen. All right. What you're saying is that the content of the activity was toned down from the content of the film. To make it something that might spook a child, but wouldn't get the police sent round. This is the second time in the introduction I've felt sad now. <laughs> Uh, so, anyway, with that slight digression to a previous episode out of the way, we're going to talk about this uh, eight minutes of the, I was nearly going to say, The Thing, which I was, is... I was fucking hovering over it. I, w- I, w- I was like, I was like, he's going to do it. Like, that, 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 dumb, that dumb shit, he's going to do it. <laughs> that wouldn't be a dingable offence. <laughs> I was right fucking there. <laughs> uh, uh, we are going to talk about Alien, but first, before we talk about Alien, you have a side topic to discuss that is to do with Alien, but not directly to do with the eight minutes that we're going to be talking about. So what do you got? I'm going to talk to you today about Balahi Badeo. I was going to talk about him because it's his first appearance in the movie coming up. Ooh, that's going to give away who he is, if previously you didn't know, isn't it? I think I do now. Mm. Uh, yeah. Uh, Balahi Badeo is the actor who plays the alien. Um, he was, at the time, a 26-year-old student of graphic arts in London. He was born in Lagos in Nigeria and had travelled extensively with his parents to Somalia and Ethiopia to study fine arts, then to San Francisco, and eventually to London. Wow. Director Ridley Scott originally wanted to use animatronics to portray the alien, hoping to avoid the sight of a monster obviously being played by a man in a suit, but technology at the time wasn't capable of achieving the effect that he wanted. Mm -hmm. The crew had in mind the idea of a creature that resembled a praying mantis, so they'd need someone very, very tall with very long legs so that when they crouched down, it gave the impression of an insect. It does have those kind of spindly movements, doesn't it? Mm. Yeah. The production put out a casting call for a very tall, very thin actor without very much success, and they even tested Peter Mayhew, who, of course, had played... Uh, the, the name isn't coming to me. But Chewba- know... Chewbacca in Star Wars, that's yeah, it. As well. I, yeah. I knew, knew who you were talking about, but yes. Uh, a few years before, in 1977. Um, luckily, a casting agent found Badejo in a student pub in London and got Ridley Scott to come along and meet him, and they decided he'd be perfect for the role. Um, he was seven foot one inches tall. Wow. Wow, that's very tall, with very thin arms, which is just what they needed to make the alien look less human and more like a giant insect. Mm. Um, they sent him for Tai Chi and mime classes to learn, so that he could learn how to slow down his movements. Um, on set, he was kept away from the rest of the actors so that they wouldn't build up a rapport with him and would treat him more other. Huh, um, that's interesting. Yeah, so so he wasn't. They didn't see him as part of the crew. Like they barely saw him at all. Like the rest of the cast. Um, mm. Hilariously, a special swing had to be constructed for him to sit down during filming um, because he couldn't sit on a regular chair because of the tail. <laughs> <laughs> 
I was thinking about who they would get now, and it's uh, it's Doug Jones, isn't it? Doug Jones, yeah, it'd be Doug Jones, wouldn't it? I mean, like, like Doug Jones is in everything. I was watching a movie last night, a terrible movie that I'm not going to get into, but um, uh, there's a tall, spindly guy in it. I was like, I wonder if that's Doug Jones, and yep, Doug Jones. Um, Uh, he he's really good. He's an excellent actor. Like, like he's got brilliant physicality to him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and like he's good at voice roles as well. But um, it just comes down to it, if you need a tall, spindly dude who can move a bit weird, it's going to be Doug Jones. Yeah. <laughs> um, back to Balahi Badeo. Um, Alien was his only film role. Um, he'd hoped to oh. be asked back for the potential sequels, but um, that actually never happened. Hmm. He returned to Nigeria in 1980 and opened his own art gallery there, uh, which he ran until his tragic early death at the age of 39 from sickle cell anemia. So he wasn't in any of the sequels? No, no, he was he was never asked back. Um, I I think it's because they I mean, they really went a different way with aliens, which I'm sure we'll cover if we ever do that one, Um, Mm. where it's it's less of a suspense thriller and more of just a straight up action film. I mean, there's, there's not one alien in aliens. There's lots of them as the title implies. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, before we move on, I have a question for you. Uh, oh, oh, a question. Yeah. Uh, did I sound uh, engaged enough for you during that segment? Oh, uh, <laughs> my, uh, my responses uh, oh, interested oh, yeah. enough for you? Oh, yeah, you're um, you're, do- you're doing this, are you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I am. Yeah. <laughs> I, how, I, how was I? Um, well, yeah, I would I would give you uh, yeah, that that was an eight out of ten. That was an eight out of ten performance. Okay, good. I was really trying this time. <laughs> yeah, I noticed. <laughs> so the reason I'm bringing this up is that somewhat I think pettily <laughs> during the last um, <laughs> recording, uh, I was, uh, I think it was fine, but I was quite tired <laughs> while we were recording. We we had been at it for about six hours at that point. Yeah, and it had been going on for quite a while, and uh, so during some. <laughs> moments where there was a bit of a lull in my consciousness <laughs> uh i sounded slightly less interested in some of Kieran's facts than he would have liked <laughs> and and i discovered prior to the recording of this podcast that because my reactions were not as interested as he thought the fact warranted he he cut out my reaction and replaced it with <laughs> an earlier, more interested reaction uh, to put there in- instead. Now, <laughs> <laughs> look, <laughs> look, I, look! I'm the editor here, and um, I, I don't know why. I don't know why you're you're revealing this in shocked tones, as if to a judge and like a <laughs> an aghast jury um <laughs> now as i say this i don't want to give the impression that there is anything kind of <laughs> set up or or dishonest about the way that we record this we are just having a chat and that really should be abundantly clear from from the way that we deliver this we obviously kieran does a lot of preparation in in <laughs> notes and stuff but this is just a chat that we're having um so mostly i just find it very funny that my 
grunts of assent or whatever were, or vague interest were were not good enough to make the cut during the last episode can, can, can i can i offer can i offer a defense here or or is it already too late please go on tell, tell me i just it was just honest feedback <laughs> i um Look, look, I I edit them. Like, like I have to chop and change stuff around all the time. Like, I move things from section to section. I didn't, I didn't think this would this would promote twenty minutes of accusations oh, yeah, in the look, show itself. Uh, this is not a, a, a reproach. I just thought it was very funny. That's, that's <laughs> the, main, the main thing. No. I thought it was very amusing that I my responses, my my natural response. <laughs> we're just not good enough. <laughs> look, look. The, the takeaway from this is that if you could maintain a baseline level of professionalism <laughs> that was sufficient to meet my requirements, <laughs> I would. I wouldn't have to fix you in post. <laughs> oh God, this this one. Oh, are we going to have to do do a do over on this entire podcast? Where are we even in it? <laughs> we're we're a solid hour in and we haven't started. This is why it needs some editing. Basically, is because <laughs> this happens, and uh, so then you just kind of have to stitch together something that is a has a semblance of order to it, and uh, and you know sometimes you're just like, oh, I I I wish that sound that he made was just a little nicer or <laughs> i don't know i i just wish that he was um played by a different voice uh, I'm, I'm just i'm gonna hire um, uh, i'm gonna hire one of the chuckle brothers have him put oh don't <laughs> don't you fucking start don't you start on hiring actors from cameo to read single lines yeah, i'm just gonna <laughs> put some read have these some of the, some of these lines redone by by a professional that, that'll, that'll make the whole thing a bit better Look, look, if I if I could afford Doug Jones, you wouldn't be on this podcast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh boy. Um, um yeah, oh, oh god, the listeners are gonna look at this and be like, wow, three hours. <laughs> they must have so much relevant and interesting stuff to talk about. Three hours of scintillating discussion <laughs> about these eight minutes of three. <laughs> Three hours of talk of editing, 3D platformers. <laughs> Christ, crosswords didn't even fucking make it in. <laughs> well, you see why now. <laughs> if if we got Peter talking about crosswords, we'd still be fucking talking about crosswords. <laughs> oh boy. Um. Oh. <laughs> oh well. Well. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you for listening. <laughs> um. All right. All right. Sorry. We're gonna we're gonna try and get this back on track. We promise. We'll just we'll just bang through the rest of this as quickly as possible. Don't worry. No no analysis. Peter, you can just go mm, or whatever it was you were doing last time. That's fine. <laughs> So, okay, oh, in the new spirit of just getting through this podcast as quickly as possible, uh, we got these bells. Hang on, I'm going to ding a bell. Ding, 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 ding. Um, 
and we ring the bell at certain times for rules which are becoming increasingly opaque. <laughs> uh, if we ring a bell, then make a note of it, I guess. Um, okay, that's that's that explanation done. You know how uh, this works. Right <laughs> you, know, you know how it works. You're like 20 episodes into the podcast. Um, okay, Peter, here's... Oh, God, oh, I got excited. We're almost to the show. <laughs> um you last time we asked you who is infected and you said nobody unless you include the ship itself oh mm. deep um and you said what happens next brett goes deeper into the big room and he'll get attacked by the alien um you, you feel confident about that yeah i'm happy with that yeah yeah i'd, I'd agree you, you can have one whole point and um who dies next? Well, <laughs> you said Brett, and uh, I'm going to give it to you. It was, in fact, Brett. Yeah. Well done. What's good is now you have to realize who's going to die next after this. Uh. I just don't know. I'm gonna, this is, <laughs> uh, I, th as I said last time, from now on, my predictions are going to get very shaky. Yeah, a bit. Uh, we're, we're spinning the wheel of mystery right up until the ship explodes, I think. Oh, mm -hmm. Spoilers. Um, Guess with that, it's time for us to start watching Alien, the film Alien that this podcast is about. Alien. And we are back. We will be covering one hour and four minutes to one hour and 12 minutes of Alien. As always, this is not a watch along podcast. Stop doing it. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Go and go and watch the film. Don't be a coward. It's 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 a horror film that's nearly forty years old. How scary can it be? Oh, did you expect me to answer that? Yeah, that was a question. How how scary can it be? Uh, quite scary. Oh, okay, fair enough. Um, I'm going to read out these bulleted action points from my action point list in my action point planner, which sum up some points of action. And if we want to talk about them, we will. Otherwise, we won't. I feel like maybe maybe that description could go in future episodes. <laughs> I don't know. Um, <laughs> it's pretty clear what I'm doing. Brett wanders through a large room looking for the cat. And uh, we're very back to slow pacing here, mm. uh, in which we're about to have four minutes, uh, basically, where very little happens apart from... Uh, Brett has a look around. Uh, yeah, yeah, it, it it does move pretty slowly. Uh, it has been for some time though. I mean, like like there was this maddeningly long build up to um the face hugger, mm -hmm. then a little a lesser build up to the the chest burster, and now an even lesser build up to this. And from this point onwards, I think it's all action all the time. Yeah, I guess. I guess what I mean with the pacing, uh, to try and hone in on it more than we previously talked about, is um, I feel like in the whole film, there's a certain type of pacing where when you're in a moment, there's not a lot of editing going on in the sense of there's not a lot of editing for, for time. Like I feel like in another version of this film, there would have been we wouldn't have seen the whole search. We would have seen him starting to look around and then it would have maybe cut to him seeing the uh, 
the thing on the floor, uh, and then it would have maybe cut to him going into the next room and having a look around, and uh, and then we would have had an alien reveal. Where in this case, it it basically is showing you his search pretty much in real time. Yeah, and I feel like it it, it does. Uh, at this point in the film, it's doing a lot more kind of time skip so we get one in the middle of this whole segment as well mm. a bit a bit of a time skip so it's it's kind of cutting to the chase in that way a little bit but still the individual scenes are um edited very kind of naturally there's something interesting about the time skip you mentioned but we'll mention that when we get to it mm. so the room they're in here is the ship's garage referred to as the treasure room in the script for the equipment, Ridley Scott got fairly exotic-looking digging machines of appropriate size, like small bulldozers and small earth movers. And right. um, inspired by the way the Apollo lunar lander was partially covered in gold foil, everything was sprayed with gold paint. Mm. It's hard to tell, honestly. Yeah, I mean, you can see it if, you, um, if you're looking for it, but it is a very dark scene, so uh, they, uh, they do glow gold if, you, uh, if they're spotlit. If they want to get some lights in this whole area, really. <laughs> um, one of the vehicles was fitted with tank tracks and covered in shell casings. Um, despite the fact the Nostromo is a vehicle towing a refinery rather than something that went out on mining missions, um, Guyler and Hill decided on these vehicles as part of the crew's gear, like to show that they're truck drivers in space. Um and Ridley Scott really hoped to find a reason to get them in the outside shot, but there there was just no nothing in the script made sense for them to go outside. So they got them all, and then they just sat in this room. Huh. Brett stops and hears a noise. Um, on the director's commentary, Dan, uh, Harry Dean Stanton did not like this close-up at all. Because um, <laughs> it's just his gigantic face on the cinema screen for about 40 seconds. <laughs> it's like, oh, thanks. Thanks, Ridley. <laughs> you don't spend a lot of time looking at your own face, I guess. Uh, yeah, especially not projected <laughs> onto a screen 40 feet in front of you. All those details. Under a digging machine, he disturbs Jonesy, who escapes again. It seems like there's like water here as well. I didn't quite understand what I was looking at. Uh, I've got comments about the water, but but give me just two minutes. Okay, <laughs> go through a couple more points, and we'll get to the water. Brett finds something rubbery on the floor, like a snake skin, and he picks it up. Yeah, well, I mean, I oh. would have used a stick or something. I, w I wouldn't have touched it. I mean, oh, yeah. it looks it looks like a used condom or something on the floor. I'm like, no, thank you. That can stay there. Um. Yeah, I mean, well, he does know that at least something to do with that alien has very corrosive acid for <laughs> yeah, blood. Yeah, exactly. And so I would not put my hands anywhere near something that might have come off it. I mean, it is just sitting on the floor rather than eating its way through all of the hull. So I guess. Um, to be honest, though, I mean, like he's seeming increasingly oblivious to the tremendous danger he's in. <laughs> yeah, and I suppose we talked about this last time. It, it, 
that they they all aren't exactly mm. aware of the danger at the moment. So that that's okay. And I think um, it's an interesting uh, technique here because he's not that worried in this situation. Mm. Maybe he's a, maybe he's a little bit nervous, but it seems like more like he's just in this big, wide open kind of creepy space more than actually thinking that something's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, uh, of course. Uh, he doesn't know what this thing represents or what's going to happen to him. Yeah, uh, and uh, uh, that's why I think that the the pacing of this scene is just so good, because it's it's really all, all of that is for the audience, because the, the entire audience knows at this stage that this character is in a bad situation (laughs) this character is in danger um even if they haven't seen the monster yet in its full kind of glory they know that this person is in danger uh yeah we're all (laughs) we all know that he's not getting out of this unless Mm. he turns around and leaves quite quickly which is uh, it's a very common thing for horror films isn't it that um you know someone's in danger um, and in that situation in real life you too would probably be like ha I chuckles I'm in danger um but they just carry on regardless so yeah uh, that's what I really like about the way that this is paced out is that the whole time you're just thinking I'll oh, just no, leave just leave just leave <laughs> no don't mess with that skin no what no what what the fuck are you doing with the water stop that <laughs> no I mean interesting it's just some sort of interesting thing in his relationship with Parker as well, in that Parker sent him to do this, mm-hmm. and Parker is his, you know, boss. Yeah. But also, like, he doesn't think Parker will send him into abject danger. Otherwise, you know, he'd have protested. He's just like, well, he's just telling me to do something. Yeah. So not even Par- Parker, well, we've mentioned it before, but not even him is expecting anything bad to go on. Right. Um. So... Uh, Want to hazard a guess what that gross thing is made out of? Uh, oh well, I just thought it was some sort of rubber, maybe. Yeah, would but... you guess? Uh, would you guess latex slathered in KY jelly? Yeah, I, uh, that that sounds fine. You'd be <laughs> does it? That, that's um, <laughs> that's that's spot on because that's what it is. Uh, fairly grim. Brett goes through into a large, dark room with swinging chains and dripping water. Which I've got to imagine was supposed to be some kind of cooling solution. Yeah, yeah, that's a a very good um, position to take. Ridley Scott, in fact, had to argue with the studio people a a lot about this room with the chains and um, and the dripping water. Because they were like, why are there chains? And he's like, well, you know, sometimes you have to move things up and down and like, there's no high tech solution for that. You just need to chain stuff up and move it from place to place. And I'm like, all right, why are they moving? And Ridley Scott was like, I don't care. (laughs) And um, then they were like, why is there dripping water? And he's like, it's condensation. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't, doesn't matter. Like it's not damaging the ship. So they, they just don't fix it. (laughs) It's like, so tedious having to defend every little thing basically because he wanted some dripping chains to because the room was kind of empty and still without them and he wanted some movement something to um sort of make it less clear to brett's character that he's in tremendous danger um 
Oh, I just thought that it was just some kind of water cooling solution. Uh, if I'd realized it was condensation, I feel like condensation is a little bit gross because it's not <laughs> it's not very pure, is it? It's no. just like it's just like whatever. I would not if there was enough condensation going on to be like rain on my face. I feel like I would not be looking up and letting that splash my face. That seems gross. Yeah. Uh, um. You're moving on a bit to like the next point. Uh, yeah. So let me let me finish my 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 things for this one, and we can talk about the gross oily water, please. Um, so uh, this room is supposed to be the landing leg room uh, where the legs of the ship retract to, uh, and Ridley Scott sort of wanted it to be like a temple-like environment. You know, mm. um, it's it's just very tall. It's got those sort of columns um, going up. They're actually, uh, well, Roger Christian went out and bought two old Canberra bombers and took them apart. Um, okay. And the columns surrounding the edge of the room are the um, jet engines mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that like, uh, expanded and dragged out and like painted gold. Um, and the, in the center of the room is the, um, the 40-foot landing leg left over from the sequence where they filmed it outside. They right. just hoisted it a couple of feet off the ground to give it the impression that it had like retracted up inside the ship. Hmm. I think it looked really well. It, it works really well, and it's sort of like a just a reuse of an earlier prop that they would otherwise have just gotten rid of. Yeah, I didn't notice any of that. It just I just saw it as atmospheric looking room. Mm. Uh, very interestingly, here uh, in the director's cut, which we're not watching, um, you can see the alien. Um. It's actually hanging in the chains at the top, and there's a shot of it, like quite obviously, like swinging back and forth in amongst the chains with its arms crossed over its chest, like it's like in stasis or waiting or something. Mm. Um, and there was some pushback on that because they were like, um, "Aren't you giving the game away a bit by showing this thing prematurely?" And Ridley Scott was like, "They won't ever have seen it before, you know. <laughs> How do they know what they're looking for?" Mm. It would just look like part of the ship or something, and I can sort of see that. But I'm glad that it didn't. It wasn't in the theatrical cut. I do think it was jumping the gun a bit. It feels like it's not needed, really, mm, mm. to sell this moment. Going back to what you were talking about before, uh, Brett stands under a column of dripping water and lets it wash his face. My comment here says, "Mmm, oily ship runoff water." <laughs> yeah. Um... I feel like if it's water that he knows is pure because it's just whatever is used and it's purified and it's part of the cooling solution, it's <laughs> it's, 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 uh, it's pretty clean. I, I think that's fine, but it feels a bit weird if it's just whatever yeah, just, stale just, ship air happens to condense on the walls. <laughs> just just rust dripping down from yeah. something above him onto his face. He, he is in that water for a long ass time. Like the feeling this isn't the first time he's done that either. No, no, yeah, that makes it worse. Is this how he showers? <laughs> <laughs> no wonder they're all staying away from him. Jesus Christ. He, this definitely isn't he, the purpose of this area. Like he, I feel like it would be better lit. He fucking honks, he washes himself in revolting ship slime. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! Um, and he takes his hat off to do this. Yeah, to um, let it even more into his eyes and yeah. mouth. Look, look, there's a there's a deleted scene here um, where he contracts Legionnaire's disease. Yeah. <laughs> 
take, takes his hat off to do this, um, but not quickly. He lets his hat get really wet first, uh, and then after he's done, puts the wet hat back on his head. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, there are, there are a number of weird things about this scene. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Brett um, hears a noise in the distance and goes to investigate. He sees Jonesy in the corner of the room and tries to get him to come and get picked up. Behind Brett, a long black tail curls down. Oh no, Brett's in danger. Yeah, well, we knew it. <laughs> the um the music comes back at this point with uh, a a weird little tune. I don't remember it. There hasn't really been any music up until this point through a lot of the same like it it stopped I think pretty much after they ejected Kane's body mm-hmm. and um there hasn't like there might have been a little bit of suspenseful stuff while they were chasing through the lockers but it's just been silence as he's moving mm-hmm. through these things and having his weird shower. I did notice the lack of music actually during this, which is again, it, it just adds to the whole thing. I think just choosing uh, to leave just background sounds in. Do you want to do you want to break protocol and listen to the little bit of music? Uh, go on, let's 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 have it. Yeah, lots of terror strings. Um... Yeah, so you get a little bit of a, I guess, a clarinet sting initially is what I hear, and then you just get various things with pizzicato strings and uh, some high winds there, just a kind of spiky tune is what I would call mm. it. Yeah, I, I, I want to describe the intro as, like, the first bit of it as rubbery. Um, is mm. that a musical term? <laughs> I, I kind of see what you mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's... It's interesting. Listeners, if you've ever used the word rubbery to describe a piece of music, why don't you email us and then... (laughs) Sometimes at the beginning of a piece or elsewhere in a piece, but most often at the beginning, uh, it tells you how to play it. And Mm. it can be basically any word. Mm. Uh, And sometimes those words are more useful than others, I would say. (laughs) Um, And I can imagine rubbery being something that someone puts at the beginning of this going like oh what the shit do I do with that <laughs> yeah, <you're> like, <laughs> what does this dickhead mean <laughs> right. um, what's that piece of music where like the last note has like where like F means loud and like the last bit the last bit has like 11 F's next to it <laughs> uh, I, I don't know what that, that is but that that would is fairly not <laughs> they um it used to be that it went from, I think, three Ps to three Fs was the kind of <laughs> the, the, the range that you're working with. And even then, it's all relative. Like It's very open to interpretation. But eventually, um, that just wasn't enough for some composers. <laughs> and they just needed to keep... They, that was not enough to convey how extremely quiet or extremely loud <laughs> they wanted something to be. And so they would just kind of exaggerate in their scores and oh, yeah. it, that there's that's that's the old style of loudness war is <laughs> is the loudness notation war 
I um I, I vaguely remember more about the story now, and it was something like um it's like the trombone part of an orchestral piece, um mm -hmm. and like they they you know when it tells them to come in, it's got like eleven Fs next to it, and they were um like they all just looked at each other like uh okay, and <laughs> you could see them you could see them all taking a deep breath about forty seconds beforehand, yeah, and uh, uh when when they came in with this. Tremendously loud trombone noise. The rest of the orchestra was like, <laughs> <laughs> "Yeah, there was, this, <laughs> there was this piece by um, Elgar that uh, has a part in it which uh, is—I can't remember exactly how it's notated, but the the instruction is to play it uh, very loud, like just extremely piercingly <laughs> uh, loud uh, and." Uh, but because that is the moment in the story where the protagonist of the story actually sees God, <laughs> and so, <laughs> and it's like that loud, loud kind of see God loud. Uh, well, speaking of seeing God, um, this is our first sight here of what was called Alien Three because it was the third of its forms, or the Big Chap. <laughs> mm. And it was actually the first scene they filmed with the costume. Um, Giga had been despairing up until this point because uh, they were under tremendous pressure to get the movie done and it wasn't really coming together anywhere near as fast as he wanted. Right. Uh, to make the actual costume, Giga sculpted it on top of a plaster cast. The prop department had taken of Balahi Badeo using plasticine as a base, which was then covered with various animal bones, including ribs and spines, pieces of air conditioning duct, and screws. Mm. Mm -hmm. uh, he did one side of it while his assistant mirrored it on the other just so they could complete it faster huh. uh, he, did, he didn't like sculpting as much as he liked you know traditional pencil on paper artwork because when you do a drawing it only has to look good from one angle well I was going to say I, I was not actually aware that he did any sculpting I, I, I thought that it was maybe all just based on drawings that he'd done uh, well, he did. He did initial drawings. Um, uh, getting even more into the creation of the costume, he did initial drawings, and um, uh, someone else on the production team was supposed to make the costume, uh, but they just sort of failed. So he was like, "Oh, I will do it." Uh, <laughs> uh, the head at the front contains an actual human skull uh, with the mandible cut away. Cool. That's that's pretty grim, isn't it? Pretty metal. <laughs> Uh, the alien was actually supposed to be partially transparent um, over like much of its surface. There was a, like a darker base with like transparent bits so you could see stuff moving under its skin. Mm. And uh, the thing they chose to move under the skin were live maggots. Ding. Uh, you are right. That was a valid uh, thing. Um, so, <laughs> sorry um, to to go back to your point. Uh, because I, I did get excited when I heard you say <laughs> the word, uh, and that yeah. overrode everything else. Um, so un under the uh, under the skin, particularly in, in the front of the head, were supposed to be live maggots, like sort of writhing around under the um, um, under the sort of transparent latex, uh, which sounds pretty grim. Um, you wouldn't want to wear that. Uh, but oh, oh god, I feel sorry for the actor now who occasionally has maggots stripping down onto his head inside yeah. the costume. Um, but it turns out the transparent latex is basically impossible to work with. 
and um they tried and ripped it about a thousand times and then they were like just fuck it like it's <laughs> it's it's sort of shiny black now it's not, not blackish brown it's not transparent yeah uh three alien costumes were made um a model to use as template a suit for seven foot tall balahi Badea, and another suit f- for a much smaller stuntman and where are they now that's a good point. I don't know. Presumably rotten to pieces in someone's collection. Well, that's something for you to find out for next time. You haven't done that in a bit, have you? Oh, don't make me do work. Oh, ah. right, done. This is going to be one of those things that's impossible to find out. I'm going to have to write to the Smithsonian or something, aren't I? Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Maybe those um, uh, fellows in the uh, in Antarctica might know. Yeah. <laughs> hi, hi. hi. Well, well, the last time I emailed them, it was sort of obliquely with like, hi, I'm doing research for a podcast. I could just open with exactly the same line. Hmm. I'm doing research for a podcast, but I don't know if you're the right person to ask. Can you help me? Um, where are the alien costumes from Alien now? Yeah. <laughs> Are, are, they, they in, are they in Antarctica? Antarctica? This is a bit of a long shot, I, I know, <laughs> but we've checked everywhere else. I think one of them actually might have ended up in the Museum of Pop Culture in Seattle, um, which I have been to, and definitely had a lot of sci-fi props. I know they had some stuff from Aliens, and they had an egg from Aliens. Nice. Uh, and I've... I, I definitely think I've got the obligatory selfie of me there with an alien looming behind me. So maybe it was. It's either from Aliens or Alien. Uh, I'll have to go through my thousands of photos and see uh, <laughs> if they do. Or I suppose I could email them. <laughs> well, it looks like this case isn't going to be solved in this podcast. Uh, well, hopefully I'll remember to answer it next time and not forget, as I significantly think I have a number of times now. Hmm. Um. There's a little, like, technical curiosity here as the alien comes down. Oh, yeah. um, can you can you see what it is? Uh, I, I didn't remember seeing one. Mm. So it, dis- it lowers its tail down first. Yeah. And then it comes down with both of its arms spread. What is it lowering itself on? It's not a spider. It doesn't have, like, a, like a web gland on its bottom. Um... <laughs> I mean, obviously, obviously, really, it's being lowered by like a cable harness around the middle of it. Yeah, so that's a good point. Uh, what if its tail is just really strong and it's just <laughs> balancing on it like Tigger? That's <laughs> the wonderful thing about Tigger is that he will not implant you with eggs. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, maybe it's that. Uh, it's just a little bit of tedious pedantry to get me through the day. The cat hisses and recoils. Brett tries to calm him down, and the alien fully descends behind him. How do you uh, how do you get a cat to hiss on command, Peter? Um, do you put something really scary in front of them? Mm, that's true. Um, so they built a little wooden screen, um, mm. and they put a very fierce German shepherd behind it. <laughs> Wow. Um so so the cat's just standing there like like looking curious and then they they whipped the screen suddenly away and the cat was like <laughs> 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 It was on like a like a leash so it wouldn't, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this wasn't like a bloodbath. But um, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's that's how you get a cat to hear song command. It's pretty clever. Behind Brett, the alien stands. 
saliva dripping from its fanged maw. Um, so the mechanism for opening the jaw and firing out the inner tongue proved very, very complicated to actually do and fit into the head. Mm. Um, originally, David Watling, who was the person who designed the tail, was working on it, but he just couldn't get it to work at all. Um, so they gave the job to Carlo Rambaldi, and they didn't tell each person they were both separately working on the same thing. They were just kind of like, well, if one of them finishes, we'll use that one. That's um, <laughs> that's where we're at. The production pressures are so high at this point that w- whatever one of them finishes, <laughs> that's, that's the head we'll go with. Uh, it's based on polyurethane, and the tongue mechanism is a geared track operated by a very powerful spring, so it moves smoothly out, but quite quickly. Mm. Uh, they had to redesign the head slightly to accommodate the machinery just to operate the jaw, and uh, some of the tendons all around its mouth and lips are the cables and wiring that operate the mechanism, uh, and which have been disguised with paint and covered in KY jelly and other various slimes. Um, and others are just painted, shredded condoms. Great. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Everything about this thing is gross. Like, yeah. <laughs> as Jonesy recoils, Brett turns and freezes in horror. Uh, Harry Dean Stanton felt that he screwed up this scene uh, because he didn't think he could successfully play terror as an actor. Uh, and he just tried to act like he didn't understand what he was seeing, which is fair enough. I mean, like if I was confronted by that thing, I think I'd be pretty gormless as well while it disemboweled me. Yeah, I mean, I think I I, I like this reaction actually. I I, mm. I think it, I think it works quite well because it uh, it does look scared, but also confused. Um, yeah, yeah. A lot, a lot of his expression here is bafflement, which I yeah. think is pretty accurate for it. The thing just like cropping up from nowhere, and you're just like, "What are you?" <laughs> I mean, last time he saw this, it was pretty small, and so uh, at the same time as being very frightened by this thing, gotta have some cogs turning in your head, <laughs> thinking, "How is this here?" <laughs> The alien fires its inner jaw out from its mouth and punctures his head, and he screams. Um, this, weirdly, is actually... This shot, weirdly, actually it wasn't supposed to be here in the film. Um, it's reused from later in the movie when Parker dies. Hmm. Um, they... Uh, originally, the alien was just supposed to, like, crush his head with his hands. Um... There's, they ha- they put this insert in because it looks better. Um, they took a casting of Yafet Koto's head and then constructed a dummy model of his skull out of fiberglass, mm. um, except for the forehead, which is made out of like paraffin wax. Um, then, because they knew it's a really tight close-up, they built a special rig that fires the alien tongue through the wax forehead um, into the inside of it. Hmm. And they uh, they filled the inside of the fake skull with actual pig brains, um, then fired it through, and they had special little hooks like um, on the inside of the alien tongue so that it would just pull lots of the brain back out with it. Lovely. Well, gross. It's, it's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, they, they were just kind of improvising with this when they were filming it. Um, Harry Dean Stanton, you know how he's wearing his little cap, his little wet cap? 
Um, yeah. It has a number of little tubes running up into it now that are just sort of pumping like blood down over his face, and you you sort of see that in a very fast cut. Like it it punctures his head, then there's blood everywhere, and he's howling, and then yeah. um, it cuts away again. You don't really see much, but um, you don't know. Yeah, you get I, the impression of horror. Thing. Yeah, you hardly see what happens here. Mm. The alien drags him, still struggling, up into the ceiling, while the cat watches impassively. Now, um, <laughs> there's something about this shot that makes me feel very much like the cat is behind everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my, uh, my notes here say, uh, cats don't care about human lives. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, Maybe when it was hissing before, it was saying, attack my alien slave. <laughs> Now, now, <laughs> Do it now, now is your moment to strike. Um, listeners, if you think Jonesy the cat did it, um, <laughs> in in the extended alien universe law, make me ever say that ever again. Um, the uh, face huggers don't work on any creature of cat size, like you know, it's. You have to be like just slightly bigger than that dog or above. Yeah. Um, so you know, cats could conceivably come up with an alliance with the aliens. Um, yeah, they have some form of immunity. We know yeah, that. yeah. Also, like cats only hang out with people because people have opposable thumbs. Aliens have two opposable thumbs on each hand. Mm. So uh, you know, clearly that's the next step up from their position. Mm-hmm. We cut quickly to a clearly shaken Parker talking about the alien. Um, so I was a bit unclear during this scene about what exactly they know and how they know it. Yeah, well, let me get into this. Um, there's actually a little discontinuity here, mm. um, and this is the, the the jump cut thing you were talking about earlier. Yeah. Um, there's a scene cut out here that's put back into the director's cut um, where right at the end of Brett's death, like as he's being hauled up into the air, Ripley and Parker run into the room screaming and uh, they see like it vanishing up into the thing above him. And you know, the water from earlier that's dripping down, it just turns into blood. Right. Like their, their faces and clothes get soaked with this dripping. Blood. It's, it's really quite an effective scene. Mm. Um, we, and it cuts out some of that that long prolonged shot of Jonesy's face as he's just watching it. And I'm not really sure why they took it out, the theatrical one, honestly. Um, yeah, it, it kind of. I mean, you would understand why Parker would hmm. be shaken, I guess, but I don't think it seems like very just extremely shaken in a way yeah. that is, is, is plausible, but is even more plausible, I guess, if he'd been there and kind of seen the tail end of that happen. Um, Which he I, did. I, we just don't know that. <laughs> yeah. I, I um, without realizing that, my assumption had been that maybe they had some footage of it or like mm. camera footage of it from somewhere or something, but it's really not made very clear in this. They're blind on B and C decks, Peter. <laughs> we don't know what deck they're on. <laughs> they think the alien is using the air ducts to move around the ship. Safe enough, bet. Yeah. They come up with a plan to drive the alien through the air ducts into the airlock and fire it out into space. 
Parker can't believe how big the alien is. Yeah, so this is where I, I was starting to think, okay, so he's seen it then somehow, or at least has a reason to think that it's big now. Mm. Speaking of the size of the alien, there's actually a scene in the like book and the script, you know, when they're searching for it earlier. Yeah. Uh, they go into their food stores and they find the whole thing completely scarfed down. Like all, all of the food in the ship has been eaten. Right. Um, but I guess it's more dramatic if you don't know how the alien got that big, rather than them just finding it in there with its tummy all swollen, like that possum that broke into a bakery. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it's like in the corner, like oh. <laughs> um. Also here, almost inaudibly, Ash calls it Kane's son. Which, if you didn't think he was weird before, welcome to the fucking party. Uh- <laughs> yeah, this was a line that I only noticed, I think, for the first time watching it this time. Mm. Uh, and yeah, very weird line. Um, do they not have a a tact module that they can stick into <laughs> these robots or something? Did they just leave that out? Uh, <laughs> because, yeah, very weird thing to say, in especially in that moment where not only is Kane dead from this alien, someone else has also just died. Yeah, it, it is it, the least sensitive time to deliver like a quip you've been working on for some time. Right. And um, he has been acting weird like throughout the whole film. We've mentioned it a lot of times, but I think this is the first time where he's just out and out said something. You know that that in a normal situation you'd be like, "Why did you say that? What 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 are you thinking?" You know. It's like, um, oh, right, okay, you're actually a sociopath, fine, right? And yeah, and the fact that I, they don't comment on it, I think, is just sort of evidence of everyone's heightened emotional state. Yeah. Uh, that they're, they're thinking this is some weird stress reaction. Um, yeah, sure. To just burst out with something completely very, very weird. Ripley asks Ash to help. He suggests it may retreat from fire. Dallas asks Parker to make a flamethrower. 20 minutes to make a flamethrower. I mean, Jesus Christ, that's like, that's pretty impressive, right? I mean, I I don't think I could make a flamethrower in an hour. Like, yeah, I, I think that's fair. Uh, I guess if you've got some relevant parts on hand, maybe. I, like what is it like a a tank a pump and like a nozzle and uh, a pilot light maybe it's simpler than I'm thinking. You got to have something to get the pressure up. So maybe like a like a like just like a mechanical pump or something. Mm. I'm gonna build a flamethrower and let you know how long it takes me to do that. Or I'll never hear from you again. Or, <laughs> more, more, more realistically, um, I'll die in a fireball <laughs> between this and the next episode. Um, Ripley says she'll go into the vent, uh, but Dallas quickly says he will. Uh, which she gives him a sort of interesting look after. Mm. I'm not sure what it's saying, but um, she feels like... I don't think she likes this. Why uh, Why do you think Dallas has overridden her? 
I don't know. I'm not entirely sure. I uh, I can think of some reasons that it might be, but I, I I don't I don't quite get it to be honest. Well, there's a few reasons bandied about. Um, the one that comes up in the book and like a later revision of the script is um, he's sort of feeling guilty here because he's been sending people out to their deaths um, for for some time now. And the whole thing is his fault because, like, he overrode um, Ripley to let to let the alien on board. So this whole situation is directly his fault now. Yeah, um, that that works for me, and it also kind of works for me with the the next scene that happens as well. Uh, but also uh, as a motivation, um, just precedent to this, like just. Uh, somewhere in the morass of scenes between uh, Kane's death and now, they actually had a sex scene um, written into the film. Um, oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, between Dallas and um, Ripley. And Sigourney Weaver was even commenting on how ridiculous it was. Um, she was like, they, they built this little special chair for us to have sex in. <laughs> It's. <laughs> they were like, well, it was written into the script originally as a way for the crew to like um, how they would blow off steam, right? From yeah. uh, being all trapped up together, they would just occasionally fuck and um, just get it out of their systems. I guess. Uh, but Sigourney Weaver was like, why would anyone want to just take all their clothes off and have sex when there's a weird alien monster running around? And I'm like, yeah, I can. I'm I'm on that train. I'm on team the pants stay up until the terrifying biting monster is found and cannot be anywhere near my genitalia. Yeah, because it, it occurred to me that it could be some sort of feeling that he has for Ripley mm. that is causing it, but it I, I don't feel like that's the kind of relationship they have. That, no, that, no. That, that doesn't really play in in the film that we've seen anyway and and I, <coughs> and I feel like if that scene had had been left in then it would have felt out of place in the moment as well like you say interestingly the sex scene uh, as written was interrupted like uh, they were just getting into the swing of things uh, and it was interrupted by um Kane's body um which had just floated by the windows of the ship um Ooh, that's still... gonna that's gonna kill it. Yeah, bad, isn't it? That's really gonna. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> um, they actually made it a, a full size version of of Kane's body and shroud for this scene, which like never really got used in the film. <laughs> Wonder uh... how that is now. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm not looking at where it is. Okay, Google, where's Kane's sex body? Um... <laughs> uh, well. <laughs> wouldn't have anyway let's move on <laughs> where's the alien sex corpse <laughs> uh, the crew get on with their duties we cut to Dallas in the mother chamber talking to the computer hmm. he asks it if it thinks they'll be able to kill it and it doesn't know insufficient data he asks what his chances are and it says does not compute it's an interesting scene. This one, I, 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 I get the feeling that 
Dallas doesn't even think that he will be able to get answers from the computer. Mm. Uh, and so I feel like the point of this is more that he doesn't really feel like this is something that he can talk to anyone else about. Oh, yeah. So he's yeah. kind of idly querying the computer about just things that, questions that are going over on his head, in his head just to kind of voice them in some way, but there's no one that he can actually talk to about it. Yeah, and it's it's very interesting for us, obviously, because we yeah. we get uh we haven't heard from Mother for a while and we, we get a a little glimpse into what she's thinking, which is, you know, insufficient data. Right. Um but also, yeah, as you say, he's spilling his heart out here because I think he doesn't want to go into the vents at all. Um <laughs> hmm. But he's made the decision, and uh, he's got to go through with it. Yeah. Uh, does not compute. The phrase does not compute has a long history in sci-fi. Yeah. Um, originally used as a catchphrase by the television show My Living Doll in 1964, and mm. much further popularized by Lost in Space 1965 uh, as a catchphrase uttered by the robot. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it has become something of a cliche sort of phrase i guess but it makes sense it's it's fallen off uh, a, a lot recently i think as people understand what computers can do now um yeah <laughs> uh it would be very interesting to chart you know its usage in film and tv media alongside the general public's computer literacy yeah I've just got one note here that says, uh, Dallas knows he's taking a big risk going into the vents. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I think we discussed that quite succinctly. We cut to the crew setting up for the job, opening the airlock, testing the motion trackers, and opening the vents. These vents, they're very sphincter-like, aren't they? Um, like an, an iris. They don't seem like a great idea for, a, for an airtight vent to me, honestly, because... Um, they never close completely. There's like a gap in the middle. Hmm. I, I, I don't know why you'd pick them, honestly. Um, I mean, they look cool, I guess. That's pretty much it. <laughs> <laughs> That's about it. Uh, Dallas crawls through the pitch black vents lit only by the pilot light of his flamethrower. He calls the crew via radio to check they're all ready. He climbs further through the ship, being tracked by Lambert. And that brings us to the end of eight minutes again. Um, sort of mid-scene, really, but... Um, yeah, a little abrupt here, I would say. Yeah. But, but, but pretty good, pretty good. I mean, yeah. we've, we, we had some, some stuff happen, and we've moved on. Uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like this was very much cut into four-minute chunks, this one mm. where the first chunk was the adventures of Brett and... Uh, the second chunk was uh, preparing for how to track down the newly large alien. Newly large. I, wouldn't it be cool if it just kept getting bigger? Like, you know, <laughs> like it eaten Brett and now it's fucking massive. It's like the size of a house. Mm. Um, pro probably less of a suspense thriller that and more just uh, Godzilla. <laughs> <laughs> who's, who's infected, Peter? Um, well, I mean, again, unless we're just counting the ship as a whole, nobody infected. I'm going to put some question marks down. Um, 
what what happens next? What happens next in in the movie film Alien from 1979? I haven't got a clue. It feels like they're <laughs> setting up Dallas to die. Um, but here's my really out on a limb guess. Right. Um. So first, first of all, like I'm, I, I wasn't, I wasn't born yesterday. I, I understand how they're telegraphing this to some extent. I feel like we are setting up an encounter with the alien with Dallas where he's going to die. However, with mm-hmm. that in mind, I'm going to say that there's a bit of misdirection going on here and that it's not actually going to be Dallas that dies next and that the next people to die are going to be either Lambert or Parker or both. So you're saying, what happens next? There's a bit of misdirection, and uh, it's not going to be Dallas who dies. It's going to be Lambert or Parker or both of them. Yeah. Um, you're answering I'm both questions. Fine. Okay, good. That's that's efficient. I like that. We need more ways to shave time off this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the final question, what what are you thinking, Peter? What what, what are you fucking thinking? Um, how, do, how does this eight minutes add to your understanding of the movie? Well, I mean, I, I enjoyed it. I mean, the first time that I have felt that something has maybe been a bit underexplained or a little bit uh, clumsy is that moment that we talked about where it just kind of cuts to them yeah. talking about the discovery uh, or the discovery that uh, Brett has died, uh, but not really n- knowing how they came by this information. That feels like a very weird cut to me, especially considering they had footage mm. in, that fully explains that moment uh, in there. So, uh, uh, I, that is the first thing I would say that I di- that didn't quite work for me in that it it I found it a bit confusing plot wise uh but overall obviously I am still rather enjoying this film uh and it has been very good to look at it in some detail yeah I I don't really know either I think what we'll do is uh next episode we'll get Ridley Scott on as a guest um and yeah, he can yeah, yeah. he can walk us through what he was thinking yeah what you got uh, to say to it for yourself hmm uh, you're laughing now, but if I get Ridley Scott on as a guest, you're going to shit yourself. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Explain this moment. Explain this omission. Oh, dude, if he's on Cameo, we can just pay him to answer the question. <laughs> <laughs> does does Cameo grant you, um, like, you know, usage in perpetuity in <laughs> for, for other media? I don't, I don't think that's how it works. I don't know. Who knows? Well, okay, God, we're we're finally slogging to the end of this six and a half hour long podcast. Um, if you have any questions or comments, or you just want us to stop, you can email us at podcast at eight minute movies dot co dot uk. I said that in a weird way, but it's the take I'm going with. Um, yeah, just email us. We'd love to hear from you. Perhaps one day we'll read your emails out if we receive any of them. Um, oh, make myself sad. Where can people reach you on the internet? I can be found on the internet on the Twitters as Kieran J. Walsh on the social. And you can find me at 
Kestrel Pie. Kestrel like the bird and pie like the irrational number. Go there for hot crossword insights. <laughs> you were going to say hot cross buns. Um, I deliberately said the social because I know you don't like it. <laughs> no, it's terrible. I, I chose to ignore it. <laughs> well, good. All right. Well, um, it, it's been a it's been a ride. This one. Thank you for enduring it with us, listeners. <laughs> um, g- goodbye to you. Goodbye. Goodbye.